0: lauren garoni and i'm chelsea Fairless. welcome to a brand new episode of every outfit a podcast that explores the intersection of fashion and pop culture do you like our new music now that we've been featured in the new yorker we've decided to do a bit of a
1: pivot and make the show really highbrow
0: yeah we've gotten full lydia tar and i'm ready for my (laughs) 92nd street y appearance same i mean my life is basically a wit stillman film now chelsea can i interest you in a glass of chateau petrus it's from 1985 and and as you know the grapes in bordeaux were just sublime that year oh darling i'd love one but question how long are we going to be doing this bit yeah all right guys
1: (laughs) it's like the most embarrassing thing we've ever done Uh, But in all seriousness, we're so excited to be in The New Yorker. I mean, I don't need corporate magazines to validate my existence, but also The New Yorker.
0: But we do need corporate magazines to validate our existence to our parents. And we would just like to say (laughs) this is the best present
1: you could have given our parents. I know. Both of our parents are New Yorker subscribers. So such a nice, you know, early Christmas present for both of us. But in all seriousness, we really want to thank Rachel Syme, who wrote the piece. Emily Romer,
0: the designer. The illustrator, Mar Hernandez. Who I'm still DMing to get this <laughs> illustration from her. Okay, I sent the illustration
1: of us to my friend Kate Jinks, and she was like, You look like one of Virginia Woolf's lovers. And <laughs> <laughs> I think you also look like one of Virginia Woolf's lovers. Like, I think we're giving major Bloomsbury group glamour. Like, it's giving Kim
0: Jones's first Fendi collection. So, my hair doesn't look like that anymore. How this came to our knowledge is I was getting my nails done before Thanksgiving as were you and I got a text message from you that was this illustration and I was like, oh, that's so funny. That kind of looks like us. And then it was like, wait, hold on. What's happening?
1: Also, it's fun that we got a good review in The New Yorker, unlike Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City 2, when there was a like very
0: bad review of her book, I Do, Do I? I know where the illustration was her with tape over her mouth. Yeah. Should we just discuss the elephant in the room? Sure. Which would be this episode is coming a few days late because the day after Thanksgiving I think like everyone I got a cold but I had the most mild cold symptoms by Wednesday I was wrapped up and then this cough started and then a acute case of laryngitis so fucked
1: yeah we had to delay recording this episode by like five days which we've never really had to do before
0: I know this has called into question our fledgling brand that we have as we've come to realize like, oh, if one of us loses our voices, we're fucked.
1: Also, I love how in preparation for this episode, you had to go to a doctor and get a cortisone shot like you're a fucking Broadway star or something. The show must go on.
0: Uh, Yes, and of course, the cortisone shot is not working. It was supposed to restore my voice back (laughs) to the way it was. My doctor saw our piece in The New Yorker and he was calling me seeing how I was and then he offered the cortisone shot. So I feel like because we were in The New Yorker, I got the Barbara Streisand experience. It's so good. I love that. But when I was getting the shot this morning, he was like, you might had this sort of salty taste in your mouth. And I didn't get that. What I got was the rarest side effect you can get with a cortisone shot, which is called cortisone flare. Because he gave me the shot and my arm was on fire.
1: (laughs) That's so fucked.
0: It's fine now, but like for the first hour... It was like I could not move my arm. And I was like, fuck, I have to edit with this arm too. Did it just hurt or did it look freakish? Like
1: do you have a rash or something?
0: No, I don't have a rash. It just was internally painful. All right, well, that's something. I know. We're we're back, baby. Nothing will keep me down. So sorry you have to deal with this voice. but So November
1: might have been the most shocking month in fashion ever because we witnessed... The, the closure of Raph Simmons eponymous label we had Balenciaga Gate which we will revisit in a little while and we had the shock of Alessandro Michele stepping down from his role as creative director of Gucci after seven years which no one really saw coming
0: no and I feel like everything that we're discussing today is kind of a bummer so it's only fitting to play our Bad News theme song yes <laughs>
1: only on every outfit okay so as i mentioned creative director of gucci for seven years he worked there as an accessories designer before that so he's worked at gucci for over 20 years
0: yeah, he was there during Tom Ford's time. Uh, McKelly said in a statement, there are times when paths part ways because of the different perspectives each one of us may have. Today, an extraordinary journey ends for me lasting more than 20 years within a company to which I have tirelessly dedicated all my love and creative passion. In the statement, it was noted that the internal design studio would continue to carry the direction of the house forward until a new creative configuration is announced, which signals to me that McKelly's departure was abrupt and Unexpected. So, Chell, why do you think he's leaving?
1: Well, Women's Wear Daily reported that carrying who owns Gucci wanted a change of direction and wanted the brand to be focused more on classic luxury instead of, like, I don't know, maybe more trendy, fashion-y type stuff. But I really don't understand that note because if you've ever set foot in a Gucci store in the last seven years there really was something for everyone. Like if you're a hype beast and you want sneakers, it's like you can buy that. There's Dapper Dad. You have that. If you're like a classic sort of older, rich lady, classic luxury consumer and you want like a suit, they have that. They have that bamboo handbag they've been making for 10,000 years. So I don't know who they think is going to come in and make pieces that are like quote unquote classic luxury because I feel like they just already were doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is Gucci fatigue going on which is inevitable. I mean, Gucci is sadly being punished for its success or I guess Alessandro is being punished for his success because they did so well with that aesthetic, that maximalist geek chic aesthetic for so long that it's hard to shift out of that without a new creative direction. I understand your point. If you literally go into the store, there is a diversity of product and style, but I think it's just people's imagination of what Gucci is. Totally, but people have this imagination
1: of what gucci is because we've literally been collectively waterboarded (laughs) by gucci for years now you know what i mean gucci is suffering from being overexposed that's all it is it's not that he's not a brilliant designer it's not that the clothes have gone downhill because they haven't. It's that we are too familiar with this brand at this point, And it's it feels more common because of that.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that Women's Wear Daily reported that, uh, you know, daddy Henri Pino had asked Alessandro to initiate a strong design shift earlier this year. I think mckelly's statement points to that being true when he says uh be, we're parting ways because of different perspectives each one of us may have like it's a very kind statement but it's very pointed and also he's abruptly left it's not like the end of this year it's not like at the end of the next collection which is usually what happens unless you're a Raph simmons and you own your own label and you're like we done bye yeah also
1: to invoke Carrie Bradshaw, I think that great fashion does require a level of Zaza Zoo. And there's no Zaza Zoo if you're making creative decisions that are solely based on sales projections, on yeah. things that have been successful before. Because I feel like the goal should be to sell people things that are like new, that they don't know that they want yet.
0: And this is a problem, and you see it in the entertainment industry as well. With places like Netflix or Amazon making material based on data, but forgetting the fact that like most people don't have taste. That's the point of creative directors, directors, is to empower people with taste to make the consumer realize that they want things they didn't know they wanted. Totally. And they're also forgetting
1: the fact that prior to having all this data, people just made movies and had a point of view. And those have been some of the most commercially successful films
0: of all time. Right. And going back to fashion, they weren't conglomerates. They were family owned houses. So yeah. we, we are in uncharted territory. Do you want to hear my joke answer of why I think he left? Sure. I think maybe he looked at the Harry Styles ha-ha collab and was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) What am I
1: doing? Well, Harry Styles is a big part of his legacy, I think, at Gucci, creating his look and turning him into a fashion icon. I mean, also, he obviously also brought a sort of diversity in terms of race and sexuality to the brand that never existed before, because before he came in, Gucci had the sexuality of a real housewife. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that was literally who was buying those clothes. It was trashy, a bit more aligned with sort of other Euro trashy brands. And he brought this decaying corpse back from the brink of tastelessness. You're talking about the end of Tom Ford or or Frida Frida Giannini era? No, Tom Ford was great. And if they're looking to go back to Tom Ford, I don't know if that's what they want, but it's like, he's been making those type of Tom Ford
0: clothes also. Like also those also are quite, always
1: quite literally
0: because they are just redesigning the archive.
1: Yeah, and all of that stuff is in the store. So if you want to be that Tom Ford era Gucci girl, it's like you can be. And I am, baby. But I feel like also his legacy, he ultimately designed the bags that will be the most iconic bags from the past 10 years.
0: And that is his background. And I think that Alessandro. Andro came up at a time right he was appointed in 2015 was his first collection but that was a time where there was a focus in these corporation owned multiple fashion houses to take accessory designers because let's be honest that is where most of these fashion houses make their money is in accessories and empowered people with heavy accessory backgrounds to run fashion houses like no two ways about it that's why nicolas Geschieri is at witton because of the bag that he did at balenciaga the motorcycle bag
1: yeah also alessandro michele it's like gucci was not one of those brands where people just bought the bags. Like, people were buying these clothes. I see people wearing Gucci every day of my life. It really is. It's just, like I said, it's just overexposed.
0: And I think he's just tired. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze anymore. I guess at um, last month or two months ago at the show, he said backstage, "'Working is becoming more and more intense for me. This tiredness is something different. The backstage work this season was more tiring than usual.'"
1: Well, also, we have to acknowledge the fact that he's designing 10,000 collections a year. Right. Actually, like it's too much. It's contributing to the general overexposure. That and the fact that we're very used to having the same roster of celebrities constantly in Gucci. Like it's just in between the fragrances, The beauty, the restaurants, like it's a lot. And they wanted to expand to make as much money as possible. And Alessandro made so much money for them.
0: He did. Uh in 2015, the year that McKelly took over, the brand posted a revenue of three point eight nine billion, which was up eleven percent from the previous year. And at the end of twenty twenty one, the brand have had a revenue of 9.73 billion, although it did dip during the pandemic, and Gucci's sales growth has not matched that seen at LVMH and Hermes.
1: But not every company can be like an Amazon where it's just constant growth forever. Yeah. Especially if you're making something trendy. It's like there are cycles of trends. Things go in, things go out. And
0: you know, it is what it is. It's going to be interesting because so much of the Gucci aesthetic, I mean, I I know that's a very obvious statement, but I'm thinking about the Gucci Osteria, like so much of The stores are all designed like
1: it's fucking Hollywood Regency on acid or something. And I don't know what other designer is going to come in where those sort of like, Chesterfield blush colored velvet sofas with like tigers on them are going to gel with someone else's artistic vision. Like it, it was such a specific
0: aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, not since, I mean, not even Tom Ford was a hire from outside since really they're ready to wear came back in the early nineties with Tom Ford. They've always hired from within and they've yeah. obviously had good luck with that, or I guess mixed luck. Well, they hit the lottery,
1: literally, when they hired Alessandro. They didn't know how it was going to work out. And it just feels like so disrespectful to me. And it, I think it really speaks to like how dark <laughs> the state of luxury fashion is. And generally speaking, I think these caring executives are smoking crack or they're literally making their designers like play musical chairs once a year, and displacing random people from their jobs in which they have thrived and like made these brands popular again. Like when you look at what Eddie Slamean did for Saint Laurent, or you look at what Daniel Lee did for Bottega Veneta, it's like,
0: do we need to oust these people? I don't know. I think also it's this idea that fashion houses are no different than corporations. Like these corporations do not care about you, no matter how high up you are in the system. Yeah, but. There's so
1: much artistry involved with high fashion. There's so much Zaza Zoo. So much of it is almost unquantifiable in a way.
0: I think a lot of these fashion houses, and you see it with even what Rolex is trying to do. Something happened in the pandemic where... Every luxury house now wants to be Hermes. They want everything to be more exclusive. Everyone wants to be more quiet luxury. Like somehow people didn't see the roification of the fashion industry coming.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? I actually would love to see... Alessandro go over to Hermes
0: because Ooh.
1: they already have the established bags, but their ready to wear is a bit lacking. And in the past, they maybe went too far. Like when they hired like Margiela or Gautier, like that was maybe a little too cool. Right. For Hermes. But I feel like someone like Alessandro would be perfect also because he genuinely cares about that like BDSM equestrian shit that Hermes people are into.
0: Right. The the current designer is someone that they poached from the row, actually. I forget her name, but not to sound... I don't know, to share Horowitzy. But as someone that has been in Hermes stores, there is a bifurcation of like the people that just want the bags and they'll buy shoes and the people that actually buy the clothes. So that you are correct. That is a oh, piece absolutely. they've never been able to figure out.
1: It's like the older rich ladies and then like the
0: drug dealer girlfriends. Literally though. You're you're not far off there. Another reason to have kept Alessandro around is just like looking at the history of fashion. That 2018 show where the models are carrying around casts of their head, to me, will be in the top 10, if not top 20 fashion show moments in history i mean the fashion
1: shows were incredible also i feel like we should mention in addition to the accessories he definitely designed some of the best gowns of the past decade also for sure and has had so many great red carpet moments
0: i think his magnum opus show would be the hollywood boulevard show that we were rudely not invited to (laughs) yeah perfect so other than Hermes, where do we think he's going to go? Because I think he could have like a little home goods store a la what Audrey Gelman is doing in Brooklyn.
1: And just sell the like Chesterfield sofas and the tiger but, ashtrays and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I would love that. It's It's so hard because after you've been the head designer of Gucci, so many other houses would be a downgrade. Like, I think he would be amazing if he took the helmet Gautier. but that would be a downgrade in the sense that, like, they just don't have the amount of brick-and-mortar stores yeah. and stuff that Gucci does, obviously. I um, think he...
0: I- It seems like he himself even wants a change. I don't think he wants that runway having to produce four collections or 15 collections a year. I think he should go out on his own and get into a different product category like interior design or something. Like Kelly Wurstler cannot be the only celebrity (laughs) maximalist in the world. Okay,
1: but also just imagine him at Chanel. Oh. Because I feel like that would not be a downgrade.
0: Oh, we shit. need a
1: changing of the guards he's really good with logos but he's done everything that he can do with the Gucci logo at this point like there's literally
0: nothing else to do like I would love to see that and Chanel even their accessories are in crisis I still can't get over have you seen this Chanel backpack that like legit looks like a Chanel trash bag no I have not seen this it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen it's like $11,000
1: yeah but Chanel has always made pretty ugly stuff like not exclusively but like there's always he's like if you've ever set foot in a store, it's like not everything is is super cute. Also, I think Alexander McQueen as a brand needs a real revival. That's, I mean, it won't happen because it's also owned by Caring. But I think that it's really weird that out of all of their sort of brands that they they like switch these designers around. It's like Sarah Burton has been there for so long, and like she is a great designer, and the like the runway stuff is beautiful. But like, if you go into the store it's literally like the scariest place on earth it's full of like terrible sneakers that like old guys are buying like it's like the weirdest vibe and i feel like it's so weird that they are switching up the designers
0: at every other house but haven't really gotten into McQueen. And I wonder if it's Sarah Burton's relationship with McQueen and why they won't touch it. But you're right. That's another vibe that's not correct. Well, also, Alexander McQueen has never figured
1: out how to make an it bag. Like, Alexander McQueen himself never figured out how to make an it bag, as brilliant of a designer as he is. So it would be cool and potentially lucrative for the brand if they actually had that but I think that they're selling a lot of sneakers and that's kind of the backbone of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. There needs to be some kind of cohesion. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention that, you know, in regards to Gucci, Ricardo Tisci is not at any house currently. Yeah, but like, do they really think like Ricardo Tisci is going to do a better
1: job? That's that's almost my thought. It's like, who are you looking for? Like, who are you, who do you think you're going to
0: find? Only time will tell. Anyway, it's not been a good couple of weeks for uh, Francois-Henri Pinot, has (laughs) it? No, it it has
1: not. So we talked about the Balenciaga controversy on our last episode, and Lauren told me about it as the story was breaking. Like, I didn't know about it until right before we sat down to record. And now that we've had over a week to process it, I still stand by my opinion, thankfully, but I'm excited to have a more nuanced conversation about it.
0: Also, I think it has only been 10 days, but so much stuff has happened that uh, for those that don't know what's going on or do, but to be fair, so much has gone on. Like, should we just do a little recap? Sure. A few weeks ago, Balenciaga released a campaign promoting their
1: home goods collection, which featured child models photographed with these two teddy bear purses. Both of the bears were styled to look like punks. One had a little chest harness. The other one had two little leather armbands and a padlock necklace. And a lot of people felt that these images were pedophilic in nature because the
0: bears were wearing leather harnesses. Then it was discovered that in a completely separate photo shoot for the Balenciaga Adidas collaboration, which was also their spring-summer 2023 campaign, that if you zoomed in on a photo, you could see a piece of paper that is part of a Supreme Court ruling pertaining to child pornography, which I will dive into later. Oh, goody. I'm glad I get to talk about that one. (laughs) This caused a huge uproar and everyone is now accusing Balenciaga, the brand, of everything from normalizing pedophilia to literally abusing children, which... Which dovetailed into a bunch of satanic panic-esque conspiracy theories, which again, I will get into later. Also,
1: before we really dive in, I just want to acknowledge that I know a lot of people, including friends of mine and listeners of this podcast, are very upset about this child abuse is obviously a very upsetting topic and I understand why people are having such strong reactions but I hope it goes without saying that just because we are critiquing some of the accusations that have been leveled against Balenciaga we are in no way supporting pedophiles and I can't believe that I actually have to say this but the Every Outfit podcast condemns child abuse in all forms.
0: And we will be discussing the organizations we're partnering with. No. Sorry. We're also gonna (laughs) bring a little humor to this because this is how we deal with things but I think that if people want to use this as an opportunity to have a conversation about the predatory nature of the fashion industry the place that children have in art and commerce I think that is a productive conversation however calling people involved in the shoot satanic pedophiles less helpful in bringing (laughs) about meaningful change
1: So shall we get into the updates or shall we get into some of the other like conspiracies or the things that people are calling out as being potentially
0: offensive yeah I think the most fruitful way we can participate in this conversation is to give facts of what transpired over the last 10 days as well as give historical context so maybe let's start with Demna's latest statement sure so basically the first statement they
1: made they said that they should have never photographed the bears with children
0: they said that they were Well, it gets even better. That's the one that has the language where it's like what some people have considered uh, bears with BDSM gear. And you know
1: what? I agree with that because I will die on the hill that these bears were styled to look like punks. Like one of the bears looks like Sid Vicious and the other bear looks like Tavi Gevinson shopping at Dover Street Market like 10 years ago.
0: Look, I think that if I've learned anything over these past two weeks, it is a binary state. People either think that it's not a big deal that these kids were holding the the bear bags or there are people who do. And I feel like a gigantic misstep is they didn't discuss the nature of the shoot, right? That initial shoot which was for their ostensibly their holiday collection right their object collection home objects and yeah yeah was with the ph- photographer Gabrielli Gallamberti who did a series of photos called toy sessions where children are photographed in front of their toys he also does photographs with adults I assume in America with their toys which are guns which I assume this is all a series that's a commentary about capitalism it's very clear and what is in none of these statements is they saw that photographers Work, they engaged him, they wanted him to do that for their object collection. And hey, he photographed with children. Let's also have children.
1: And this guy's never done any sort of fashion campaign before. And now he's being labeled as a pedophile and harassed online. And it's it's sad. But also to touch upon a point that we briefly touched upon last week, I also will make the case about the harnesses that harnesses have become mainstream every pop star wears these kinds of clothes when they perform. Also, I don't know, maybe from my perspective, it's a little different because I've spent so much time in gay bars and clubs where like wearing harnesses, like overclothes or not is just like totally like normal and not necessarily like super sexually charged. And also I lived through a very specific period of New York fashion. that was all about Nicola Formichetti, Lady Gaga, Zana Bain harnesses. Like it's just such a ubiquitous thing that when I saw these images,
0: I didn't think like this is pornography same and again in the last week what I've come to realize is that's sort of a binary state people either think that that's okay or that's not but people have an issue with that photographer's work which is a valid conversation that maybe children shouldn't be photographed at all for commercial purposes I think
1: that's overstepping things a bit because also I think look I get the argument and I'm sure some people listening are thinking like okay Chelsea well just because you don't think this campaign is fucked up doesn't mean that a pedophile won't be sexually stimulated by these images. But to that, I say that like pedophiles are literally stimulated by anything, including clothed photos of children. So I don't think this is the specific criteria that can really dictate like what kind of art can and can't be made. And I also think that the intent behind it is important and relevant.
0: For sure. And where I think they went wrong is, and what a lot of people have said, right, is, oh no, this was no accident do you know how many hands this has to go through to get published and that is correct and if they had said we picked this photographer because they did this type of series we wanted to apply that to our holiday collection and yes we did not see anything wrong with that because now the fourth statement they did finally came from Demna and then he was like oh I want to personally apologize for the wrong artistic choice like using kids in a campaign that had nothing to do with them was incorrect
1: I think part of my read on this situation maybe also stems from the fact that it's like when I was growing up in the 90s, there was a really big conversation about photographers like Sally Mann and Jock Sturges and To me, this just doesn't seem that bad. But also, again, I think that in this conversation, it's like when you look at someone like Sally Mann or Robert Mapplethorpe or something, it's like the intent behind it was not to exploit children sexually. Whereas if you look at a David Hamilton or a Jock Sturges or something, it's like, okay, well, these are literally pedophiles that are creating imagery.
0: Sometimes when there's smoke, there is fire. Yes. And in those two cases, that was true. Also, they did not think Demna... Valenciaga curing as a whole did not think that this would be very this controversial and it's why I don't think they are pushing a bigger agenda because beyond being potentially Satanists or pedophiles do you know what they are they're capitalists making (laughs) there is nothing more literally There is nothing more important to them than making money. And if they knew it, it would have gotten this uh, bad of a reaction that people would be protesting Balenciaga, that people would be cutting up not only Balenciaga, but Gucci on camera before the holiday season. I can guarantee you this shoot would have been killed. So it is correct. They didn't think anything was wrong with it. And they were incorrect. Well, they were definitely
1: incorrect with how the public responded to it. I also think those videos of people destroying their Balenciaga are really cringy because A, it's obviously very performative. It's very virtue signally, but B, it's also a flex. It's like, not only can I afford to shop at Balenciaga and Gucci, but my financial status is such that I can literally destroy this shit and it's of no consequence to me,
0: which I think is very embarrassing. Now to get into the other controversy, which is another thing that I see people doing is they're conflating the two shoots. Together, yes. So now we're talking about the spring-summer 2023 shoot that if you zoomed in, there was a document that referenced child pornography from a Supreme Court ruling. So speaking of performative acts that really don't do much, Balenciaga's first course of action to, I think, quell the controversy last week was to sue the production company North Six and then the prop stylist, uh, Nicholas Desjardins, for $25 million,
1: which is like so evil to do to an independent contract also for context the set designer works with petra collins a lot if you're familiar with her work he also recently did the cover of beyonce's renaissance album and is clearly good at his job great at his job
0: yeah and they they both were being sued for the resulting false association between balenciaga and the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decisions which at the end of last week announced they were dropping the lawsuit which is even more embarrassing one it would have gone thrown out of court because there's no basis for it no and two for them to like then a week later or days later release a statement saying they were dropping the lawsuit just makes them look so much worse well it also
1: validated the claims to begin with like by them going after the set designer and the. And the production company is basically saying this was not an accident. This was intentional. Your fears and theories are
0: correct, which
1: put them in a very vulnerable and weak position
0: right which Desjardins agent explained to the Washington Post that the legal papers used in the ad were obtained from a prop house that were rental pieces used on film and photo shoots which given the background in those photos it looks to be New York again I'm not trying to make light of this but we gotta poke fun where we can do we think these came from the set of law and order SVU That would be my guess. And I wanted
1: to devote time to this this week, but I didn't. But I'm like, I wonder if you actually just searched SVU transcripts, if this case is referenced in a courtroom scene, and if we could actually go back and find the origin of these papers.
0: Again, Last episode, we were commenting literally as this was happening, I mistakenly said that the court case featured in those documents were from the Supreme Court case, Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition. I was wrong. They're from the United States versus Williams case. If you will indulge me because I see people like Tucker Carlson conflating these two documents. So if you'll indulge No, please me. explain this yeah. shit. So quickly. Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition was about a group of individuals from the adult industry, as well as a few painters, who sued because they felt the language in the 1996 Child Pornography Prevention Act, also known as CPPA, which stated any visual depiction that is or appears to be of a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct, was overbroad and too vague. The Supreme Court in 2002 ruled that the CPPA did violate the First Amendment. An example that was cited by Justice Roberts was that something like the sex scene in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which the source material is about a 13 and 14-year-old, would be considered CP under this very language. Now that, Right, we don't want that. Like, no, that's wrong. Now, that also did extend to the creation of virtual child porn, which they said was legal. So fast forward to 2008 the United States versus William case prohibited the quote requesting sale or trading of child pornography saying it did not violate the First Amendment even if a person charged under the code did in fact not possess child pornography with which to trade too long didn't read it's an anti-CP ruling however the Ashcroft versus free speech coalition case is referenced in this opinion which is why it's seen in the document and why people think it's about the creation of virtual child porn okay wow the more you know no, thank you for that. I really appreciate
1: it. So who's to say that the placement of this document is connoting an
0: agenda either way, right? For sure. And also for people to say, you know, well, they should have zoomed in on every piece of, this, uh, of these photos. I can guarantee you that's a company policy in curie going forward. But if you've got, if you're getting office docs, you go to a prop house, you're like, give me office docs. That I'm sure it probably
1: wasn't legible on the monitors. Maybe the retoucher noticed and didn't think it was fucked up or didn't notice. Who knows? And yes, it is true that so many approvals go into these sorts of campaigns. However, people are also humans and things do fall through the cracks. Like for example, when Balenciaga launched the object collection on their website, all the prices were at cost. That's a human error. That's a mistake. They fixed it. Like things do happen. And I read this article once that where a bunch of Washington insiders had been anonymously interviewed and they were asked whether The U.S. government was more like House of Cards or more like Veep. And they were all like, it's like Veep. So I think when we're really far removed from the upper echelons of some of these, of any industry, really, you sort of get this sense that things are maybe grander than they actually are.
0: And there's no doubt these two events happening almost simultaneously did not help anything. No, of course
1: not. So should we get into some of the other sort of Easter eggs, if you will, that people have found in these photos or the photos of the, Ad- the Adidas campaign.
0: Yeah, so a Twitter user named Curious Light did an exhaustive thread on Twitter going through the stylist Lota Volkova, who worked on the object shoots Instagram, calling out various imagery that she's posted over the years, coming to the logical conclusion that she's a saint it is. My favorite is when this person (laughs) posted Lota in a Cannibal Corpse t-shirt and said, quote, this is really disturbing. Cannibal Corpse is some metal band, but nevertheless. See, I do really think
1: that a lack of understanding of subcultural fashion is at the heart of many of these criticisms because they see a shirt like a Cannibal Corpse shirt. And instead of thinking of metal, they think Satanist, child molester, potentially, whatever. You know, and I I kind of get it because I think that when you don't really have like an intellectual or visual framework in which to sort of like understand what you're looking at, things can be scary. Like I remember... When I was maybe like 10 or 11, I went to an exhibit at a contemporary art museum. It was a photography show and they had a lot of Catherine Opie's famous portraits of various people in this sort of kink leather community in San Francisco in the 90s, including like people with piercings, like topless women with leather hoods. And I was very like disturbed and scandalized by it because I had no idea what it was like I had no context for BDSM or anything like that so it was scary but now I look at those images as an adult and it's like oh these are beautiful classical portraits so I think when you don't really have a framework sometimes things feel more sinister than they actually are.
0: For sure. And then everyone was in such a heightened state. Not everyone. And talking about a, you know, very vocal minority, but everything becomes conspiratorial because Lota obviously was getting harassed. And so she made her Instagram private, which only made people more suspicious of her. Well, it's also fucked up because she did not work on any of these shoots.
1: She, to my knowledge, hasn't worked with Balenciaga in a minute. So... Wait, not
0: even the object shoot? Because no. I I looked her up on models.com and yeah, they say her most recent shoots are all Mew Mew. No, yeah. She did not work on any of these. It's like people that are even sort of like
1: tangentially related are getting dragged down, including some
0: artists. Yeah. I mean, most recently people have noticed. So this is for the spring summer 2023 campaign. Yes, with the documents. But in the... Isabelle Pair ad, which my God, look, take who you want, but leave us Isabelle Pair for God's sakes. But uh, a book in the background of that photograph is for the artist, uh, Mikael Bormans, Bormans, which among many other paintings that are featured in the book, there's one where toddlers seem to be covered in blood and playing with severed limbs. Okay. It's not, there's nothing sexual about this for one
1: thing. Like, it's not like, I wouldn't say that his paintings are in any way pedophilic. He's just kind of a spooky painter. But people are internalizing this as some sort of smoking gun. Also, I think it's really telling that there was a whole stack of books, but the other books didn't fit in this narrative. So no one's really talking about them, because you can't really link it back to a conspiracy.
0: And also, having been on sets and stuff, it feels like it's more likely that it's like, oh, we need a white book with a minimalist font. Also, yeah, pray for Isabelle Huppert. It's like, because with this sort of,
1: if you have this conspiracy theory type thinking, like everything is connected. And it's like, Isabelle Huppert (laughs) has played more than one female sex offender, including people that victimize children. And that can't be a coincidence, can it? It's like, well, yes, this bitch has been in over a hundred films. Like,
0: I think the most egregious of the conspiracy theories was one that I saw on TikTok, which tried to, this is for the object series with the children, tried to align a date found on a wall in one of the photos with Josh Duggar being found guilty in his sex abuse image trial, the date being December 9th, 2021. For those who haven't seen the picture, the wall is several different lines and dates indicating someone marking one's height as they grow.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, we should be talking more about Josh Duggar as a culture as he is disgusting, but it's yeah, it's it's all it's all wild. And then we have the tape, the role of tape. Oh, yes. That- Yeah, so Balenciaga, in that last cursed show that they did, which was opened by Kanye and featured the Balenciaga bears, they also had these looks where the models were basically just covered in packing tape. It looked like a bodysuit. Kim Kardashian wore it to the show. We talked about it. So now they're actually selling these rolls of packing tape. And there's this photo where instead of B A L balenciaga how you spell it it's b a a l and apparently ball or bow is some it's some sort of like demon in the bible or something right it's like which, a
0: satanic which has made people then look at the scene from ryan murphy's american horror story where our fave is being burned at the stake and she screams balenciaga now people are like oh I get it now. Like, I didn't understand it before. It's like, really? Because
1: Frances Conroy's character was like incredibly fashionable. So obviously, if she's burned at the stake, she's going to scream the name of one of of the the best couturiers of all time.
0: Yes, let us not forget what Balenciaga actually is. But you had the best explanation for this, which is because it's tape, they probably cut it off. Yeah think about like if you're
1: if you're cutting tape and it's there's words on the tape it's like depending on where you cut it is going to change what word appears on the roll of tape so if you cut
0: valenciaga
1: yeah, like it could just look like that.
0: That's where the double A comes from because the lay the tape layer underneath it is the full name spelled out, but the B A on the top layer goes over and that's how you get the extra A. Yeah. But
1: you know what? There is a conspiracy I will accept. Because I do like I do think that all of this stuff is arbitrary and accidental but I'm open to the theory that this was deliberate in the case of the tape and stuff and maybe they did want to have little satanic undertones in some of their imagery that they thought might provoke QAnon freaks as sort of a crazy kind of guerrilla marketing because that does seem kind of weirdly on brand for them, right? That, at least to me, intellectually makes sense. Whereas Balenciaga just sort of um, having an overarching goal to normalize pedophilia, I don't logically understand like what
0: a brand stands to gain from that. Because again, not Satanists, not pedophiles, capitalists. Capitalists during the holiday season. They want you to <laughs> buy, buy, buy. But... The other conspiracy thing related to ball, right, was that TikTok video that Tat sent us where someone writes in the Latin Latin to English translator that if you break up Balenciaga, it spells ball is king. But the only way to get that is if you spell Balenciaga with two A's. If you spell Balenciaga and break it up the way that the word is broken up, but correctly with the one A, it's just like he has ball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love, like, we've obviously been in a group chat with all of our friends about this all week and, like, not Lauren, like, actually typing this shit into, like, a translator and, like, sending us screenshots. I
0: was sick in bed. You know, we were discussing off-air as this was going on. There haven't been many conspiracy theories related to fashion. Like, the only one that I can think of is the idea that Yves Celeron maybe had a hand in Christian Dior's death. Right. Which, if you listen to our fashion crimes episode from a year ago, our mentor, Jessica Glasscock, bust that conspiracy theory up. (laughs) I don't know. I think that
1: part of the backlash to these ads is a general fatigue around Balenciaga as a brand because it has entered the mainstream consciousness. And I think that, I mean, sorry if this sounds pretentious, but I think most normies aren't interested in fashion brands that challenge... A, like traditional notions of beauty and B, brands that challenge traditional notions of luxury. Like I was watching them talk about this on The View It was the most insane segment. They were basically like, in reference to the bear images, they were like, these images are so disgusting, we're not even going to show them. Like this brand is making child pornography. But the conversation quickly shifted to, these are the same assholes that are making handbags that look like trash bags and are selling them for $2,000. Like there's a resentment of what they do in that way.
0: And I think since the Me Too movement, and I have to say, since Trump became president or I don't believe that he's still president. I'm not one of those people. But like really in the last five years, there has been this conspiratorial nature that is built on the truth that elites do not have our best interest at heart. Yes. But it does. So there's a central truth to this that we can't deny. But also in this case, it's not true. Well, the truth in this is that pedophiles do conspire
1: together, right? Like we know this from everything that happened with Jeffrey Epstein. We also know that pedophiles conspire together online to share child sexual abuse imagery. They conspire together to distribute that shit, to abuse children, whatever. So yes, that is very much true. But I don't know. It's just, it's all so wild. I also find it really interesting that every media outlet has published all of these photos with the kids' faces and stuff because they obviously don't,
0: meet the criteria for child porn yeah yeah that's how you know it's not child porn because every news agency is posting these photos and posting these photos in regards to the lawsuit which is a different shoot but because that is a more specious controversy they post the images and by the way the way that it is described by the media I mean children in a BDSM themed shoot sounds terrible yeah of course also I think it's like interesting that the
1: controversy over the bears was a slow burn like i saw these images maybe five times or something before i i heard about this controversy so if you've never seen these photos before and everyone is saying that this is child sexual abuse imagery that's obviously going to change the way that you look at the image for sure, and, and most people had that experience. Most people didn't have the experience that we had where we just saw it on the website and we're like, oh, let's maybe we'll buy the dog bowl or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can hear how we've changed in our discussion of this over the last three episodes. But again, we do have to make room for the fact that there are people who just regardless do not want to see children in that kind of milieu at all. Right.
1: <sighs> okay, also, parallel point, I think it's really fucked up that so many people are chomping at the bit to accuse Demna, a gay man, of pedophilia when there is such like an insane and fucked up historical precedence for these sorts of claims being leveled against gay men. And it's depressing. Like I feel so bad
0: for Demna. Like it's it's terrible. That is the more surprising thing of the controversy. Again, having a discussion about, you know, children's place in art and commerce, the power imbalance in the fashion industry, all fair. But it's not as if in the last... 40 years we haven't seen examples of this going horribly wrong like i think back to anita bryan in 1977 campaigning successfully in dade county to repeal the ordinance that prohibited anti-gay discrimination and she named the organization save our children and she warned that maybe a particularly deviant-minded gay teacher could sexually molest your children yeah well people still think that
1: you know like obviously there's more mainstream acceptance of queer people people now, but there's still a lot of people that some part of them actually believes that shit because it is we are just so inundated with that kind of messaging.
0: And the same goes with Lota being called a Satanist. Like, watch the the documentary about the West Memphis Three. Like, it was not that long ago that someone went to prison on death row for, like, wearing a Pantera shirt. Literally. And again, that's like a misread and a
1: misunderstanding of subcultural fashion and conflating punks and goths and people in the fetish community as being rapists, murderers, and Satanists. Like... It's really that simple. And if those are the associations that you have, there's nothing I can say to like change your read on this because it's so ingrained in you. But it's just, I have a
0: different perspective based on my experience in the world. For the last 30 years, the fashion industry, certainly in advertise, in advertisements have courted sex and I would say a porn aesthetic. I'm not saying that Balenciaga shoot, but there has no. been a history. And I think the most infamous example Example of this would be the calvin klein basement porn ads that got banned yeah this scandal i think is closest actually to that because it's
1: the only time in my life that i remember people on a mass scale saying that a major fashion brands imagery was was pedophilic so basically it was like it was a calvin klein campaign there was video there were print ads it was basically, like, these teenagers in 20-somethings wearing, like, jeans and tank tops, like, laying on a dirty carpet in a wood-paneled basement,
0: and... An unseen person behind the camera that does sound older, that does, for lack of a better phrase, sound creepy, is asking them increasingly personal questions, and they do seem uncomfortable. Yeah, And
1: I don't know, people, people interpreted these ads as being child pornography, but I think it is more like that porn genre I don't know if you know what it's called Lauren where it's like yeah people are like sitting down for a casting call or it's like an audition it's like that's a I don't think that's necessarily a child sexual abuse imagery trope it's more of just like a porn trope
0: right and but the style of that ad does look like you know a tape that Dahmer is showing one of his victims (laughs) so I will give it that but it's shot by fucking Steven Mizell yeah and it was it was
1: heroin chic adjacent like the dirt carpet was giving heroin chic but all the models were like so tan which isn't really a heroin chic thing but it was also caught up in that sort of culture wars controversy and it's wild that we're back there again like it actually this balenciaga bear stuff like it really feels like the
0: 90s well do you remember the conclusion of this ad because this is so crazy the Justice Department got so many complaints that this was child porn that they were forced to open an investigation into whether the company had children in a pornographic setting. And the investigation was quickly dropped when Calvin Klein was like, here are all the model signatures proving that all of these people are above 18. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, in the case of Balenciaga, there's no
1: crime. There's nothing else that can really come from it in that sense. I mean, they sort of created the criminal element when they went after the production company and the set designer.
0: But that's been dropped, so. Yeah. Do we want to talk about just residual fallout? Sure. So Business of Fashion has either... This Business of Fashion Voices 2022 update confused me because... They've either taken away Demna's Global Voice Award or they haven't given it to him yet. They haven't given it to him yet. And they're not going to. Well, it is kind of a fake award.
1: Like, let's be real. It's like they are arbitrarily deciding to give people awards based on whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, but I I guess
1: just their relevance.
0: I love how they felt like they needed to add, we've asked them to come and speak to us, but they've declined.
1: Yeah, that seemed to be a little overly dramatic and also just like very virtue signally. And that's what's hard about this because no one wants to look like they are on the side of pedophiles, you know, or aiding them or apologizing for them in any sense, which is why we haven't really been able and by we, I mean the internet, haven't been able to have a real conversation about this because everyone is too afraid to post about it. Like I've been talking to a lot of fashion people in the industry off the record, and it's like most people agree with us about this, but they're not going to say anything because they don't want to be doxxed by yeah. conspiracy theorists oh, and, oh, even, and even and, journalists and that are writing about this like in a very sort of manner of fact way are being harassed by q freaks also can we talk about what happened to my wife on rodeo drive well i was also just going to interject and saying we would like not to be doxxed yeah please don't dox us um so my wife was just working like going into stores on Rodeo drive for her job. And like, there was a protest outside the Balenciaga store and like, random people screamed at her that she was a pedophile for walking in the store because she literally had to which for is her job. weird because she looks like a baby herself <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah if anything she's one of the children that balenciaga is abusing not an abuser herself it's wild and it's like they have armed security i don't know what this case is for balenciaga stores across the country but they have armed security like front entrance, back entrance, like it's really scary. And on the last episode, you made a parallel to Pizzagate, and I think that's really fitting. And I don't think it's unrealistic for the staff to be concerned about their physical safety.
0: Oh, I mean, but I I knew even in the infancy of this controversy, it's like you have a thought-to-be elitist, left-leaning brand, that's a very big umbrella term, and children, and like, the idea of abusing children. This is, this is just catnip to the right. And I'm noticing a backlash to the backlash because of the way that people like Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson are using this scandal. Like, um, this YouTuber Hot LaMode was like, oh, I'm taking a pause on this coverage because they've noticed far-right pundits are jumping on this and that's giving me pause. I don't think they actually care about children or their well-being. I think they only care about fear-mongering. It's like, yeah, this is culture war shit.
1: Yeah, it's so giving culture war. But this time, no one on the left wants to defend artistic freedom or anything, which is a departure from the 90s.
0: Right, and of all the people that are associated with the brand, Kim had to release a statement where she says that she's, I mean- She's very concerned. Well, what did she say? I have been quiet for the past few days, not because I haven't been discussing in outrage by the recent Balenciaga co- campaigns. I was in La Quinta with <laughs> celebrating Thanksgiving and a Bridgerson-style feast. But anyway, <laughs> no, she doesn't write that, but I'm adding that context. But because I want an opportunity to speak to their team and understand for myself how this could have happened. What do you mean how this could have happened? I explained I how this happened. They it's, saw that photographer's work and wanted to do a companionship. It really is not that deep. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of this issue. They understand the seriousness of not making their Q4 numbers, I'll tell you that and will take the necessary measures for this to never happen again. As for my future with Balenciaga, I'm currently reevaluating my relationship with the brand, basing it off their willingness to accept accountability for something that should have never happened to begin with. And the actions I am expecting to see them take to protect children. We didn't get into how in all of their statements, they're talking about how they're like working with organizations to make sure this never happens again. In 2019, Keurig signed a document or released a statement saying that they weren't gonna work with under age. Models again. I don't know if that exclusively meant the runway or what. Well, yes, this is where a fashion brand should be concerned
1: about children. Are we using underage models for adult clothes? Like Balenciaga makes children's clothes, so they need child models for the children's wear. Yeah. And also, are we using underage laborers in our factory being the more distressing thing. Um, of course, that's more of a fast fashion shine type vibe than it is typically like a luxury brand thing,
0: which is the real irony of this situation. That was the best TikTok I saw of that woman who was like, you're all coming for Balenciaga, but you say nothing and you still buy shine. Yeah. Also, I do think she did great damage to Balenciaga Kim. By
1: Yes, by saying this. And I think it's really wild because I do not believe that there is a universe in which Miss Kim Kardashian, who I typically love, as you all know, did not plan to get north that teddy bear bag. Well, and people
0: have brought up that at the last Balenciaga show or maybe even for the Couture show in July that North was photographed in a gimp mask,
1: right? A leather gimp mask. That's what it was without the without the zipper mouth, but
0: just with no mouth, which even for me is a bridge too far. But I do believe that Kim is so vanilla. She doesn't know the connotation of that.
1: Yeah, but I just don't think you get to make this sort of claim when you've already put your child in a GIMP mask like that year.
0: Look or at ever. Us. Look at us guys. We're conservatives. I don't know if you watch the Candace Owens. Well, I'm piece. with you. I would never put a yeah. child in a gimp mask. Like no, a, a cute little punk teddy bear is one thing. Right. Well, again, we understand the connotations of those two things. But uh, Candace Owens' piece about Kim, I did not care for her impersonation of Kim crying to Chris or saying that she has so- no soul because I feel like that's ironic coming from Candace Owens. Also. Her insistence that Kim only apologized because the only thing she cares about is getting invited to the Met Gala again. It's like, Anna Wintour runs that thing. I don't see her or Vogue denouncing Demna. No. Well, they're not... De- they are reporting on this, though, and on the conspiracy
1: theories, Vogue is. Like, which I applaud because a lot of people aren't. You know, a lot of media outlets aren't. Which I think is really, really scary. And obviously... People are talking about the fact that are they going to fire Demna? Because it definitely seems like it's possible. I think if they do, they are going to completely fuck themselves because it sets a precedent that sort of any heritage luxury house can be taken down by largely baseless conspiracy theories which makes them look incredibly weak and stupid.
0: The problem with scandals in the internet ages even if they get past this, this is always going to be a footnote even years from now. Oh, why do why do we like Balenciaga? Oh, cuz they did that child porn ad. Oh, that's right, fuck them. So right. From a consumer capitalist standpoint, I don't see what choice they have but to get rid of them.
1: But it doesn't change. Changing the designer doesn't change the name of the brand. People will still associate it with this regardless of whether Demna's there or not because they will always associate it just in the same way people will always associate that pizza restaurant with...
0: Oh, with the Pizzagate. Yeah.
1: I was like, what other fashion house? With, you know, Hillary Clinton eating children or whatever. People were alleging.
0: So maybe this is a bridge too far, but should we get into what we feel is the actual problem with child pornography and its proliferation in, on the internet these days? Sure. So a
1: few years ago, the New York Times published this very big investigative piece. It was actually a series of articles, and this article completely traumatized Lauren and I. We talked about it a lot at the time and it was basically
0: about the state of child sexual abuse imagery on the internet. Which, it was a piece from 2019 and it begins with them saying that in 2018, 45 million pieces of Images or and or videos of children being abused were found on the internet by tech
1: companies. So that's obviously a fraction of what actually exists. But like what they found is that tech companies aren't doing their part to flag this stuff to get it off of their platforms. And in many instances, they're not cooperating with authorities, but also the authorities, the people that investigate this kind of stuff, FBI, law enforcement, they don't have enough funding There are not enough people working on this shit. So, I mean, this was a detail that I found to be completely heartbreaking. So basically cops and the FBI have to prioritize their caseload by age. So it's unclear as to whether cases involving children over the age of five and over are even being investigated. And that's the reality of the situation. So really, we need to be thinking about Congress putting pressure on them to regulate the tech companies, which we all know they're not doing, and to adequately fund these organizations that are actually trying to get this stuff off the internet. But basically, because of the government's failure to
0: contain this in time, when you can't the, when put they, the genie
1: back in the bottle.
0: Right, when they could have in, I mean, obviously the Supreme Court case that I referenced, there was an initial protection in 1996, but they really haven't kept up with the times. Right. So I like that it's like a cab, except for cops who are catching child predators. Yeah, FBI agents. It's a specific kind of of thing but and then there's also things that are not would not meet the definition of child pornography and I think this is where it intersects with the Balenciaga campaign where people are like well that is you know that's a sliding scale you put a kid with that it's normalizing that aesthetic i personally have more of an issue with mommy bloggers who in their own minds are sharing innocent photos and videos of their children but they are nonetheless putting photos and videos of their kids in bathing suits naked in the bath dressed like little henry darger paintings online for anyone and everyone to see and there's this issue going on with TikTok right now because you can see that the wrong people that sickos are looking at these photos because you go to any semi-famous mommy content creator and you see the likes versus saves ratios and when the saves are so much higher than the likes it means that people who shouldn't be looking at these photos are saving them for later to do god knows what with them yeah and some of them
1: are totally innocuous but also yes I see naked photos of children on the internet all the time and again I think it's important to consider what's the intent here right it's it's not pedophilic on the part of the mother that's posting them but it is a problem and a much bigger problem than this Balenciaga bear shit I agree with you should we discuss actionable things that can be done sure well, okay, I will link to the New York Times article that we discussed in the show notes. I will say it's incredibly disturbing, but I do think it's important. And last week I was compelled to write my congressman, Ted Lieu, oh wow, about this and again encourage him as my representative to regulate these tech companies and like
0: actually try and deal with this shit. And that's something that anyone can do. Right, and I will say, I mean, these are small victories, but in November of this year, the Justice Department awarded $105 million to protect children from trauma and abuse to various interagency organizations. I've become like semi-well-versed on like the actual policing forces that are trying to police this. So the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention will be awarded $31.2 million under the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force program, i mean dick wolf potential spinoffs to svu (laughs) yes your darkest show ever um to help further investigate technology-based child sexual exploitation an additional 3.6 million will support training to the internet crimes against children task forces additionally another three million will help increase the technological investigative capacity and training to combat child sexual abuse material and online child sexual exploitation this is obviously great it's not enough um to chelsea's point call your representative Write your representative and ask for further federal funding for the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. This is the department that deals with child sex exploitation.
1: Yes. And also, we can all donate to nonprofits that support victims of sexual violence, like RAIN being the most prominent one. I will put that link in the show notes as well. And I would encourage anyone listening to donate to them. And I think that's where we should leave this episode. We're not even going to talk about Kardashians? Oh, God. I guess we have to. Okay.
0: kardashian aholics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. Eh. Well, so much for this cortisone shot. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't done shit. I know. I spent three days hunting down codeine cough syrup because I couldn't stop coughing. And that is like guaranteed relief. You're all drugged up. Also, like, fuck rappers for making lean very popular because no one wants to carry it anymore. (laughs) You should just go knocking on doors in the Hollywood Hills until someone has it. But I don't know if my codeine cough syrup is watered down, but it did nothing.
1: Wild. Surely codeine cough syrup isn't as potent as it used to be as it has made everyone into drug addicts.
0: But it was so good. (laughs) I wanted to put it in a blender with some ice and, fa- and Fanta. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just like Samantha. It's yeah. so wild. <laughs> I mean, it's not actually Cody. And I think for her, it was it's legit just cough still syrup. Still cough but...
1: syrup and Fanta. Like that is like, that's toxic. That's like drinking gasoline or something.
0: Yeah. Especially if it's like grape flavored cough syrup and orange Fanta. Even like cherry cough syrup and orange Fanta is. Is it? I thought it was Fanta.
1: Is it Fanta? I don't know. I don't know, and who cares? But here in LA, we do not do that. We drink ginger shots and green juices like
0: normal people. Which I didn't even say. You brought me a care package that included green <laughs> juice and ginger shots, so thank you so much. Oh, of course, babes. Okay, where the fuck do we want to start with the Kardashians? I, I guess we I don't ha- know. What are we actually talking about? Because- We've got, well... I haven't looked at the doc. There's the Kimye divorce that got finalized, or I guess the duo formerly known as Kimye has settled their divorce, hammering out child custody and property-related issues. Kim and Kanye will get joint custody with equal access of their four children, although Kanye and one of his rants acknowledge that Kim essentially has the kids 80% of the time. Although, given his recent media appearances, I don't know how much longer he will have joint custody to the kids. That's my two cents. Um, so according to the settlement, Ye will pay Kim 200000 a month in child support, which in our friend group, we were like, why? Because usually child support is to make sure that the kids in each of the homes have equal lifestyles. But what this is for is it is to pay for the kids' school and 50% of the children's security expenses, which should let you know how much their security costs yeah like surely Sierra Canyon can't be that expensive like how much is that roughly
1: do you think for a year and they have what four kids in it
0: um typically most private schools at this level are now about 40,000 a year okay so that's
1: like pocket change to them it's the security
0: yeah so this is where it gets interesting which is if there's ever a dispute regarding the children Kim and Kanye have agreed to mediation that's not the interesting part but if one fails to participate the other gets to make the decision in the dispute by default. So who do you think is less likely to show up to mediation? Good point. So yeah Ye went on Alex Jones he out Alex Jones which is very hard to do. Yeah and we uh, you know we try not to talk about Kanye but But wow, that was truly wild. You should also say, fuck Kanye West, fuck his anti-Semitism, fuck what it is doing to the people who still listen to him. Like, I saw some video of a bunch of guys in Times Square that just had a placard that were like, yeah, Hitler had some good ideas. Jesus. It just, I mean, again, this speaks to, I guess, how naive I am, but just how easy it is to turn that on in some people astounds me. Oh, for sure. But I know, I know you didn't watch the Alex Jones thing, which it went on for three hours. But well, the-
1: I watched the clip of him on the View. I think uh- it was the same episode where they talked about Balenciaga. A very traumatizing episode of the View
0: for me overall. <sighs> It's bad when you out crazy Alex Jones, but Alex Jones is trying to save him where he's like, I mean, even for Alex Jones, who denied that Sandy Hook happened is not a Holocaust denier. He's like, I had family in there. I believe it happened, but you know, and he's like, I get it. You're a fashion guy. So you like Hugo Boss and the uniforms and Kanye cuts him off and he goes, no, I love Nazis. I love Hitler. Jesus. See, I didn't actually watch this,
1: but I don't doubt that it was fucked. I did see the fit though, which was quite dramatic.
0: Ugh. But here's what I will say: as horrific as this descent has been to watch, he's going to less and less reputable news sources, and he just burned through Tim Pool and Alex Jones because what Kanye feels to understand is they are the stars on their own platform. And they got what they needed from Kanye and they're never going to have him back on again because he just wants to monologue for three hours. And that's not Alex Jones and Tim Pool are the people that monologue for three hours. So I can guarantee you, he's probably going to start talking to like teenagers on Twitch. And after that, he will be gone the way that Trump was gone.
1: So he's going to join Truth Social.
0: Well, not even Trump will touch him. God, I can't believe we're talking about this, but like not even Trump will touch him because when he went to... Dinner with a full on Nazi, Nick Fuentes, a person that I now know who he is. Uh, Also, uh, what's his face? Oh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, our fave. Not our fave. We're joking, but. Which the fact that Kanye feels like, oh, I finally see the truth and he can't tell that he's getting played by Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes. Yeah. But Trump won't touch him because Kanye went to Mar-a-Lago and was like, you should be my running mate, which Trump will never do. Well, also Trump knows that he's a liability.
1: Yeah. Trump, is, Trump needs to be the only liability. You know what I mean? The people oh, around yeah. him need
0: to be less psychotic. I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make with like an Alex Jones type is they are the, their own liabilities and they don't need any extra thing. And they took what they could from him and they got the little bit of clout and in ratings. And we're done with you.
1: I think we should also mention that he's lost his management, I believe, since we talked about this last. We already know he's lost his lawyers, obviously, his Adidas
0: deal, yeah. his Gap, you know. pretty. What's left for him to lose? I mean, the rest of his money. He said on Tim Pool before he walked off of Tim Pool, when Tim Pool said, those people, and Kanye said, but who are the people and Tim was like, I'm not going to do that. And then Kanye just walked off. But he admitted on Tim Pool that his banks were locked and that, I forget whether he went to Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, but they were like, you actually owe us $30 million in fees. And then Kanye said he's trying to buy a bank for $75 million. Okay. <sighs> anyway, the season finale of the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. But like, what was that again? What happened? Okay, I'll tell you exactly what happened because this was what was driving me crazy. I'm sure in the Keeping Up days, they fudged with the timeline. It was harder to tell because their personal lives, while the biggest moments were in the tabloids, not every moment was in the tabloids, but like, I've never seen a fudging of the timeline like we did in the last episode. So, Chloe welcomed her son on July 28th, 2022. Kim walked for Balenciaga Couture on... Oh, it was the Balenciaga episode, right. Perfect timing. Perfect timing, yeah. But she walked that on July 8th, and then Kylie went to the Billboard Awards May 15th. And, And not that it matters, but the Kravis wedding was May 22nd. So I guess the month of June, nothing happened for anyone. Right, so it was Kim walking in the show. I mean, I thought that was quite interesting to watch, all of that stuff. Like, obviously, I live for that. To me... What I find the most interesting is, yes, what their schedules look like. Like, what does Courtney do all day? I would love to see that. And the fact that, like, Kim just goes and goes and goes. Lauren, when you have to work out for
1: two hours a day, like, and then, like, the working out for two hours a day and getting
0: in glam, that's four hours of your life, like, gone. For sure. But like for Kim to do like a 56-hour trip to Paris. And I thought that that was very sweet that she takes one of her kids on each of these trips. Oh, yeah.
1: She has like a solo vacation with one of her kids like every year. So they feel special and like whatever.
0: But also the point, and people can think that their careers are insipid, but they do have careers. And the fact that she's like, I want to show my kids how much joy working brings me. Yeah. So that they can find their bliss and make a brand out
1: of it. Yeah, that's literally what she said. So they can figure out like what kind of company they want to start. It's like maybe North wants to be a fucking veterinarian or something. I'd love to see it.
0: But um, yeah, nothing really happens. Everyone's like, oh, this is very boring. But you get Demna on the Kardashians, which has never happened. Like he had a
1: full you know that satanist yeah you know that pedophilic
0: satanist had a whole uh arc can you imagine if that episode had come out this thursday what they would have done to the edit
1: well i'm glad that we got to see it because otherwise we probably wouldn't even be able to ever see the episode
0: yeah but people are annoyed again on tiktok because i've been stuck in bed for a week but people have been posting older clips from keeping up with the kardashians and it's like i mean this is even a later season of keeping up but like when Courtney and Kim get in such a bad fight that like Courtney smacks the shit out of Kim, and like you see the foundation on the, on the wall, yeah, that was the best ever. That was full like
1: Russ Myers glam.
0: Yeah, like we're never gonna get that again. And Kim had the audacity to post. What do you guys want to see for season three of the Kardashians? Do you guys like family stuff, work stuff, kid stuff, behind the scenes of shoots, family pranks? And then someone, my favorite reply was, Scott. We want more Scott and less Kravis. Please, for the love of God, less Kravis. (laughs) If I hear one more whispered, yeah, baby, or see another makeout scene, I'm going to kill myself. Well, Kravis's
1: only plot line on the, the finale was that they have a blended family and their kids use cell phones at the dining table. And they made everyone put away their phones. But actually, my favorite response to that tweet was the person that was like, I want to see jackass type stuff.
0: <laughs> and it's like, same. Right. Also, in we, we should say, in light of Kanye's latest descent into uh, complete oblivion. Some A meme has been going around with this tweet that says, we'd love to see how you talk to your children about anti-Semitism. But we're never going to get the reaction to the Kanye drama. I mean, this season was pretty right. positive. Well, they didn't even, okay, even after
1: stretching out the Met Gala, Marilyn dress situation for at least three episodes, right? Yes, three. If not more, they completely skipped over the backlash to... To it, which is insane because, in the scheme of sort of Kardashian transgressions, like Astro World being at the highest point, yeah, the Marilyn dress thing is kind of like on the same level as the nobody wants to work these days comment. Like, it is one of the more benign scandals that they've had, and it doesn't involve like claims of like cultural appropriation or anything like that. So, it's like kind of insane that they're not talking about that especially when everyone knows what happened
0: well they jumped from the middle of may to july
1: yeah basically this season was all about chris's hip replacement and okay sure i appreciate that she's so down to like carry the show along with kim and chloe in that incredible first episode but
0: chloe for her sanity needs a break no more drama with chloe fair enough love to Clo. anyway like we didn't even get that elopement that kravis did with mj in santa barbara wait what like the weekend before they all went to italy i think because mj is too frail and old to fly to portofino they eloped also because i don't think you can get a marriage license in italy so they legally got married in in america they went up to santa barbara and eloped Okay, like the weekend before. Right, right, right. We didn't even get that wild. Also, what's up with Caitlyn? Surely she can pop
1: in for one app. Hey guys, <laughs> <clears throat> remember
0: me? What does Caitlyn like think about all this Kanye drama? Because I mean, she's happy to have another conservative in the extended family, but not like this. No, she didn't want it like this. Oh, that was the other thing, a clip I saw where Kanye at the, I think, end of his Alex Jones interview. First of all, he... Well, he's also come for Balenciaga, kind of. Yeah, but then did you see in Art Basel that he just had a pop-up where he's selling his yay 24 Balenciaga stuff, which it's like, I'm sorry, Balenciaga, you fucking made his potential presidential merge?
1: No, no, no. That's fake news. Basically he has been going into every balenciaga store in the world for the past like however many years demna has been there and he's bought everything like he just buys shit you know what i mean and he's screen printing uh yay 24 on it yes and because selling it because he's pissed that oh, they denounced shit. him so he and he has literally a warehouse full of every Balenciaga piece from like the past 10,000 years. So it's like this is actually the more extreme version of the Marilyn dress cuz this is like I'm going to destroy like entire Balenciaga collection. It's yeah. like you like it's crazy.
0: But he seemingly cannot get over the only photo shoot he didn't have his hands on with Kim, which is Mel's shoot for Interview Magazine. Like, he can't get over the concept of the shoot. It's like, have you never seen a Harmony Corin film? Have you never seen Gummo? Cuz he keeps being like they've perverted her. It's like there's a very specific reference for that photo shoot. Well, we know that Kanye has
1: a very Madonna horror sort of mentality about women, which is clear from a lot of his recent music actually, especially on the um the the cover the album that's like the cover with the mountain oh anyway he has a very bizarre relationship with women and like there's a song on there where he basically talks about like oh it wasn't until i had a daughter that i realized like maybe i shouldn't i shouldn't be treating random women like
0: thirsty hoes you know like it's dark although i did love that Kanye yelled that hulu doesn't love you kim disney doesn't love you come back home to jesus it's like i think she's fine yeah she got the house you designed in, in Hidden Hills. She'll be fine. Yeah. She won't be in Balenciaga, though. And I
1: think that's the last thing we have to talk about, which is her Art Basel fashion moments. Oh. First of all, I don't know why she was there because she wasn't, She didn't have any
0: event herself. Well, Basel has become like Coachella and Sundance, where the originating point of the event is moot now like yeah. people just come to be there well it's been like that for over a decade now i would say for
1: sure so she went to go and she's obviously not wearing balenciaga because even though she said she's real reevaluating her relationship there's no way she can ever wear it again no so she needs to completely change her look and you know what this might be a weird silver lining on the situation because I'm here for her to have a new look. Not that I thought the Balenciaga era was bad, but again, to our points about Gucci, very overexposed, you know,
0: for sure. And if this gets her to wear a Bjork shirt, even <laughs> no. though I'm pretty sure she's never heard a Bjork song in her life. So be it. Well, okay.
1: But who knows? Like, I don't think Kim is not as basic as, we think she is, but that said, so the Bjork T-shirt that she's wearing has the Bjork-type treatment that was on the back of the post-album, right? And that's the album, that's Bjork's most famous album that has, like, Army of Me and shit on right? It. And I think at the time that that album came out, I don't think she was listening to Bjork. I think she was listening to, like, TLC and Mariah Carey and Tupac and that kind of music I would guess but if Kim Kardashian is a secret lifelong Bjork fan I'm here for it
0: I feel like the only other on-ramp possible for her to get Bjork pilled was maybe when she was dating Pete Davidson and he showed her Leon the professional and she was like oh I, I like Venus as a boy The song's <laughs> great I think if there's
1: any Bjork song that Kim is into, it's probably big time sensuality
0: as I think it's the most accessible and dancey of her songs. For sure. Although I think that Kim would like the song Like Someone in Love. I think she would relate to that. Yeah. I mean, look, Kim should appreciate
1: Bjork in the same way that she appreciates Cher because Bjork is a fashion icon and someone that was like so ahead of
0: everyone and now everyone is like sort of playing catch up. Wait, Chelsea, what if Kim genuinely does love Bjork and we've seen that she went and wore Marilyn's dress, what if she wears the (laughs) swan dress to the Met? That's the only move left she has is to just start getting avant-garde. I mean, I would love to
1: see her wear something that isn't about looking hot. I mean, I guess that's kind of why her Balenciaga Met Gala look from last year was cool because it wasn't, while it was about her body, it wasn't about her face and her makeup and her hair and stuff. Right, but now It wasn't about
0: looking pretty. Right, but now that has sinister intentions. Right. Also, like, I hope these, these conspiratorial people do not figure out that Bjork was married to Matthew Barney because I also saw that they were coming for Matthew Barney- yeah cuz I think one
1: of his books was in one of the shots or something like that too. I I forget how Matthew Barney got dragged into this, but surely it can't be a coincidence that Kim is wearing a
0: Bjork shirt. It obviously means that they're all just pedophiles, so. And also, she's been known to wear Rick Owens and you know Rick Owens' partner with the with the black uh, fingers is a satanist. It's like, have you freaks like not heard about goths?
1: Like what? <sighs> anyway, It's so crazy to see this sort of satanic panic stuff come roaring back in this way that's like totally unexpected, but also expected because obviously there's a huge, you know, historical precedent.
0: Because also this is America. And what's that saying? If you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it.
1: Yeah, if we don't
0: educate people about what
1: goths and punks and fetishists look like, they'll just think they're murders and satanists forever.
0: We're not talking about everyone that has an issue with the Balenciaga. No, no, we're not. We're definitely not. We're talking about a specific but very vocal part of this controversy. Also,
1: like I said before, it's like, It's like nothing is more triggering than child abuse. So I understand why people are having these sorts of reactions to it. But I think part of it is the fact that I think maybe it's easier or more comfortable for people to think about pedophiles as these sort of shadowy, nebulous figures and sort of like conspiracies rather than confront the fact that they're actually like living breathing people
0: in our communities that we interact with that we know and that our government as we previously explained is woefully unprepared to deal with in any meaningful way
1: yeah and it's just really hard to it's like we don't want to have that conversation as a culture we also don't want to have the conversation that As we know, so many people that do abuse children were abused as children, and it's just something that's really painful and sad, and I understand why people don't want to talk about it, but at the same time, it's like, we actually have to talk about it if we're ever going to deal with it, and it continues to flourish because we can't talk about it, because it's too upsetting.
0: Right, in a productive way. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I think my voice is officially <laughs> crapping out. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back later in the week with a Sex and the City rewatch episode. We will be rewatching The Freak Show if you would like to watch that ahead of time. All right. Bye, freaks. Bye, fuckettes. Bye, you freaky little fuckettes. We love you. Bye.